accident on his way to work, and now, through some method or magic, Edmund Blythe was no longer dead. And Emily, the woman who had loved him and almost married him, was still trying to understand what it all meant. She spent too much time thinking back to their last day together. It haunted her. They had only just moved in together, both of them still living out of boxes, and promising that one of these weekends they would properly unpack and, finally, have something they could call home. They spent their last full day together knocking around a hardware store, picking paint swatches and faucets. He had been anxious all day, distracted to the point of nervousness, and when Emily asked him what was the matter, he would only grin, with his lip at that familiar, awkward angle, and lie to her and say, Nothing. She considered calling him on it, but decided against it. He was a terrible liar, something she discovered before her birthday when she found out about the surprise party he was organizing. She still felt a little guilty about that, so she decided she would let him keep his secret. For now, at least. They were in the paint aisle, a detail she would never forget. He was standing behind the shopping cart, smirking at her. Three times now she had put him to a decision over whether magnum green or monarch green was a better color for the living room, and three times now his reply had simply been, Yes. We'll have to live with this, she exclaimed, waving the swatches in front of him. We have to make a decision. Are we marrying it? he asked. His face went flush. What? Emily replied. She wondered what was wrong with Edmund, why he was so flustered. Then he began fumbling in his pocket. What are you doing, Emily asked. What are you up to? I'm making a decision, Edmund said, getting down on one knee. Edmund! He withdrew a small, antique-looking ring from his pocket. He cleared his throat. Emily Hawthorne, he said, his voice cracking. Will you, and either Magnum or Monarch Green, marry me? Then he held his breath and waited his hands trembling just a little. Everyone around them in the hardware store stopped to watch, as if they were the ones being proposed to. Emily would remember each of their faces for the rest of her life, the way they were suspended, phone conversations put on hold, debates over high or semi-gloss paint postponed, all of them waiting to hear Emily's decision. She wasn't sure how long the moment lasted, but it must have been longer than she planned because, all of a sudden, there was a small elderly woman standing at her side. She smiled up at Emily. I'd go with the monarch green, she said. And then she laughed and the spell was broken and finally Emily exclaimed, Yes! Is that to the paint or to me? Edmund asked, still on his knee, still offering her the ring. Just put it on my finger, she said, fighting back tears. And then the ring was on her finger, and he was on his feet kissing her, and everyone in the hardware store was applauding. That night, they ate dinner on the floor of her art gallery, and they talked about what the future would hold for them. They talked about children, houses in the country where they would spend their holidays. The next day, on his lunch break, he was hit by a bus and died. That was a year ago. Now, without explanation, he was alive again. On the morning of Edmund's return, he arrived at work just as he had countless times before. The walk-in had been laden with fog, burying the small North Carolina town beneath one large, soggy white pillow.
The morning chill was harsher than usual, but Edmund was hopeful that the day would improve. He got into the elevator, thinking of nothing other than the complicated account that had been giving him trouble for the past few weeks, a once-famous movie star who was diligently going about the business of spending the entirety of her fortune. A Muzak version of In the Hall of the Mountain King played Tinny and Hollow in the elevator, just as it did most mornings. Edmund hardly noticed. But when he got to his cubicle, he saw that all of his belongings had been moved, and someone else had obviously taken over his desk. He looked around, but it was early still and hardly anyone else had come in yet, only a couple of people on the far end of the office. For a moment, Edmund thought that he had somehow wound up at the wrong desk. It had happened once before. He'd come in one day and sat down at a desk when he realized that the family photograph on the desk was that of Robert.